Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable, also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. What's up, Razorback Nation? Welcome into episode 195 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I am your host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Kevin Bohannon and Porter Hayes. We thank you, as always, for coming to hang out. Whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, hit that subscribe button. If you have not already, please be sure to take a couple extra seconds. Leave us a five-star rating and a written review. Help us get our name out there more. The show is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Plus, the best part, it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. It's certainly a good time to take advantage of that with all the wagers they have going on with the NBA playoff games from scores, or uh, if you want to bet how many times LeBron is going to fake an injury. I'm sure they have plenty of those as well. But got another softball and baseball heavy show for you, and rightfully so, the Ladyback softball team, they're going to play in their second Super Regional in school history this weekend, beginning Friday against Arizona. And the baseball team, of course, completed the regular season sweeping Florida as we head into the SEC tournament. And guys, it was a very busy weekend, needless to say, for all of us. I know that you both celebrated your birthdays. Kevin, you said celebrated yours about a month late. I know the wifey took you up to uh, to Bush Stadium for the Cardinals-Cubs. You all had some fun in St. Louis. And Porter, I know your birthday was Saturday. Happy belated. And uh, good to see you made it back in one piece with us. Yeah. Uh, it was. We started kind of Friday. <laughs> had some family come in. And uh, we kind of got a little early start. So by the time my birthday actually got here on Sunday, all the birthdays and happy birthdays, I was like, let's just get started round three. So yeah, I survived <laughs> Long Island Ice Teas and Moscow Mules. They'll get you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you quickly learn once you get up to that round 40 range. It just doesn't quite recover like you used to. But, yeah, had a great time in St. Louis. Uh, Cardinals fans and Cubs fans are, are still two of the craziest fan bases in all of baseball, at least Major League Baseball. Uh, I would put the Razorback fans up there with them as far as their love and passion for their team. And we, we just had a good time. Got to see the Cardinals Hall of Fame Museum. That was really cool because they had the broadcast booth and you could go in there and recreate and do do a voiceover of David Freeze's home run, Stan Musial's 3,000th hit. Uh, the 83 World Series. It was a, it was a blast. Yeah, it's a lot of fun at Ballpark Village. Obviously, I'm a Cardinals fan, so I've been there many, many times before I moved to San Antonio. And all, I've told you guys all this, like you guys is in you two in our group chat. But I used to go to at least five, six Cardinals games a year. One of my best friends from college is from there, and 
And I'm not going to tell this full story, but you talk about having fun there, Kevin. You know, I've been to Ballpark Village plenty of times, and one of the last times that I went up there, it's been quite a while now, in 2016 was when they celebrated the 2006. It was the 10-year anniversary of the 2006 World Series team, and Wayno threw a complete shutout against the Marlins. And so everybody, of course, you know, the drinks are flowing and everything that night. Everybody's having a good time, and my phone dies. So I lose my buddy and I'm in, you know, I know San or know St. Louis a little bit, but he lived on the South side of town. You know, we're there in, uh, at Bush stadium and my phone dies. I lose him. It was a very interesting time. I made it, I made it back to his house somehow all in one piece, but that was definitely a scary night. Kind of felt like Lewis and Clark by the end of it, you know, having to find my way back in a completely unfamiliar area, but Nonetheless, man, a lot of good fun. If you guys, even if you're not a Cardinals fan, it's a lot of oh, yeah. fun up there at Ballpark Village. Plenty to do. It's if you've been to Dallas Live across from the, I guess the old stadium of the Rangers, right by Cowboys Stadium. It, it's very similar to Dallas Live. Got that really, really big screen there on the wall and all kinds of places to eat and different bars and stuff. But a very good time. And so, well, uh, we'll go ahead and get right into it, guys. Basketball official visits for June have been listed. We got seven guys that are some of them are Kansans, but that are within the top like 65, 70 range. And it all starts with Kijani Wright, who uh, from is out of California, Windward School. He's a Ford five star, 11th overall player is going to visit at the end of June, uh, 27th through 29th. And so that's where it all begins right there. And then, of course, you've also got Darian Ford out of Magnolia, four-star combo guard, 39th overall player, going to visit June 1st through 3rd. Another Arkansan, Kalel Ware from North Little Rock, a center, four-star, 30th overall, going to be June 1st. And one that we've actually had our eye on for a good bit, but it seems – and it looked like that he was actually going to commit – during the time, of course, that David Patrick was there, was Ramel Lloyd Jr. He's out of Sierra Canyon in California, 6'6", combo guard, four-star, 67th overall. He's going to be in about that third week of June, the 22nd through the 24th. And around that same time, you've got Jordan Walsh from Faith Family Academy, a combo guard out of Texas, four-star, 32nd overall. And last but not least, Barry Dunning out of McGill Tulin, Catholic in Alabama, a small forward, four-star, 44th overall, and he's going to visit the same weekend. It looks like around the time that Darian Ford and Kalel wear. But, guys, you really don't have to go too far out of the state of Arkansas, particularly for the 2022 class. Now, of course, Muss is going to use the transfer portal. He's going to, um, you know, that's that's going to be his bread and butter. That's what he we've known that he's always been since he's been in the college game. But you look at guys like Kalel Ware, Darian Ford, Joseph Pinion, who's already committed to you, Nick Smith. I know a lot of people don't feel like he's going to be a hog, but either way, there's just four guys right there in the 22 class that can help you out pretty much immediately. And you look at these guys from California, one from Alabama, a couple from Texas. They're going to continue to do that because you have to recruit outside of your state. But, again, you just don't have to go too far outside of the natural state for the 22 class. Isn't it amazing what an elite eight run will do to your recruiting? I mean, name another year where you can get a top 15 prospect to travel and come in from California to Fayetteville, Arkansas. I mean, Kajani Wright, 6'9", 220. Uh, he's a composite five-star, of course, and he's almost got the highest rating you could get, a .9962 with the 24-7 sports composite. And these guys aren't just big. They're long, athletic. 
they're that positionless guy, player that Musselman loves to get. But you, you talk about the Arkansas class. Darian Ford did something that you don't see very often. He is giving up a, his summer before his senior year, his 17-U AAU season, to stay home and work out and get better with a former Arkansas great that we've talked about on the show before. So it's really exciting to see these young men thinking about their future more. And we're getting to have official visits on campus. Just thinking about back this last weekend, we're in St. Louis. You'll go out somewhere and you don't see masks. So we're getting back to some normalcy. And Coach Musselman rode through the wave of pandemic and not being able to see people. We are about to see the full force of the Eric Musselman recruiting machine, boys. And it's it, the rest of the nation better be on notice right now. Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it when you said that. And you took my thunder because he's he's done the transfer point on the Zoom era. When we I think we can call that the Zoom era. Wait till he gets the in person. Sam Pittman was mentioning the same thing. You know, when they lift, they can actually go they lift the ban on being able to contact these recruits and you could see them face to face. You get Eric Musselman and Sam Pittman in, in mama's homes and daddy's homes. I mean it's almost a win-win situation, but the only thing that really worries me is you named off Sierra Canyon, you named off uh, Mount Verde, some of these. Now, they're going to start this new league here in 2021-2022 where all these yeah. elite high schools are going to form their own league. So, man, I'll tell you what, and this is just me speculating, you know, this is this is going to help Eric Musselman because he relies so heavy on that transfer portal. What's going to happen when all these guys? It's going to be like a baseball. What the baseball and Dave Van Horn's dealt with for years, recruiting these kids out of high school, then they get to their junior senior year, and then they go pro or go minor league. They don't go to college. I think that's where we're headed. Where all these top high school kids, they just signed two the other day for a million dollars. You know, they're going to this G League in this. Um, uh, I can't remember the name of it. There's two separate ones. There's a G League, and then there's another development league where they're going to start paying kids out of high school. How is that going to affect the recruiting in the 22 and 23 class? So I think kids like Darian Ford, you're going to get these guys in state. You're going to get these kids that, you know, they're not for sure first-rounders going to the NBA. So it's going to come to the point where other coaches are going to have to really rely like the Kentuckys and the Dukes that are used to getting these five-star McDonald's all Americans. They're going to be going to these new leagues and you don't know how many more leagues are going to form or how many more teams are going to be in these leagues. So it's kind of scary moving forward when you look at these five-star athletes. Yeah. those And two guys that could possibly be up for that league. It just based on how young they are and how much room they have to grow is one of the ones that I actually left off the list. It's going to be going up there on June 5th is Layden Blocker. He's a 23 guy who was at Little Rock Christian. Now is at Sunrise Christian Academy in Kansas, a four-star point guard, 57th overall for the 23 class. But then you've also got to look at a guy like Bryson Warren, who is a sophomore from Central, has really blown up. He actually just got offered from Kansas on Sunday night. Already gotten quite a few blue Blue Bloods as a sophomore. I want to say he's like around the 20 to 25 offer range, so he's only going to go continue to go up, and Blocker's going to continue to go up, especially now that he is going to a prep school. And so those are two guys that jump off the sheet right there that's like, okay, you look at where they're at now, where their ceiling could possibly be, and they could be up for that. So that's something you know you really got to watch in the future, and, and that's another reason why I think one of the many reasons why Mus understand it, it might be 
kind of low on the list, but it's certainly one of the reasons why Musselman had he, he uses the transfer portal and has continued to do that at such a high level because he I think he does see the game. Porter, just like you said, he already knows how it is with like the one and dones and all that stuff, but he sees those leagues and what they can possibly become because he's coached in every single level of basketball that you can think of. And so that's just really to his benefit. To where, I mean, and you've heard other coaches talk about that they don't. I mean, what did we talk about with Roy Williams right around the time that he retired? He doesn't like the way that things are going, so he went ahead and got it now. His time was ticking as it is. He's in his 70s. But you just see that right there that these coaches, some of them are not wanting to buy into it, and then other ones are just kind of going along with the flow, and others are completely embracing it like Musselman. But uh, I want to talk real quick about – Kevin, you mentioned uh, Darian Ford and the way that he carries himself. I don't know that I've been around, and I haven't fully covered high school sports for an even full year yet, but I don't know that I have talked to a sharper kid just completely more well-rounded than him. Now, he was on the show for about a 10-minute segment back during football season, and he's extremely well-spoken. He's got the best poker face, poker voice that I can think of of anybody. When you ask him about where he's thinking about, he makes it seem like everybody is equally important. He just has that about himself, just the way that he can speak to you. And his work ethic is, is second to none. Like you said, he's working out with Joe Johnson. His dad, of course, is a guy that has been a heavy impact on him, not just from a like public standpoint of, of what to say and do to the media, but also the way that he helps him uh, develop as a player, as a person. And so he's definitely got the right people in his ear. There's no question wherever he does end up. I hope it's going to be as a Razorback, but there is no question wherever he does end up, he's going to be ultra successful. No doubt. And, you know, you talk about Darian Forty, Caden Wallace and he, are the same person when it comes to how humble they are and how hard they work. It, it, it listen to both of them talk. They're they're the same type of athlete, and that's that kid that you want in your program. But you know, talking about these leagues and everything, they're going to be paying kids money. I think Arkansas is going to exploit that with the name and likeness law that just got passed. You know, these kids, yeah, they they can sign for a million dollars or whatever it is, but. How much more money could you possibly make? And it's going to be comparable to baseball. Okay. Do I invest in myself and go to school for a year or two, get better and get that higher draft slot, get more money out of it? Do do I do that? Or do I just want to go ahead and jump in it now, sign for a million and then hope that I get a higher bonus when I get to the league? So I think the name and likeness will shut some of that down because we're going to be able to offer – money so to speak at the university of arkansas as well plus an education plus you get a chance to play for your home state if you're an arkansas kid of course well Cable, i want to ask you a question too you know how yeah. fortunate is eric musselman have a guy like dave van horn we're talking about that baseball aspect when he's happened to convince these kids not to go to these leagues to come to arkansas what other guy to lean on than a guy like dave van horn who does it every single year yeah, and you saw it this past year. We lost Teen Kent and Mason Wynn and uh, David Calabresi from Canada. Uh, those three signed. We could have lost Wallace, Wiggins, Griffin, a few others. I mean, that they those guys had offers out there, if not for a five-round draft. You're going to see it more this year. They're not going to sign. They're, all the signees aren't going to make it to campus. That's just the way it works. So – 
I guarantee you that he's picked DVH's brain to find out, okay, what's your sales pitch? I say sales pitch, but what's your pitch to these kids that, you know, and a lot of it comes down to pride. You know, we always see ourselves as a kid playing as a professional, but as we get older, reality starts to take place and we figure ourselves, okay, I want to play for this college first and then go pro. So a lot of kids still find that deep down that they still have that urge to compete, you know, at the collegiate level and hear one shining moment with your name scrolling across the screen and you making the last second shot and then go into the league. So it's all about personal preference. And I know finance is coming to it as well. Yeah, and that was next thing that we were going to talk about when we get into our segment later with baseball was the route that Charlie Welch took. There was a really good story. I believe it was from Mike Irwin of Big Trail Nation that talked about that he wanted to be – he's from Florida, but he's wanted to be a Razorback for – I mean, Kevin, you've probably known – you know a lot more than me on that, but I know at least into his high school days, and Dave Van Horn essentially told him no, and we'll get into a little bit more about that later, but it really just came full circle. He went an alternate route and, and eventually – uh uh, ended up chasing his dream and so but again these are the uh, seven players some of the guys that we just talked about are really all these guys that we just mentioned Darian Ford, Kalel Ware, Ramel Lloyd and others will be visiting over the course of uh, June so uh, really big month there with some big time recruits and just like you guys said don't have to do it over Zoom anymore you can actually see the campus you can get up there and you know what's really cool guys some of these visits are going to be or I guess maybe about two of them or so are going to be right around regional time. So you know that that Baumwalker is uh, going to have just the entire campus going crazy, and who knows what softball is going to be doing too. So uh, this was a perfect time. I think There might be something to this. I know that at the end of the month, those guys that are visiting, the baseball team could be in Omaha, but I feel like that uh, – you know, even though this was a scheduled time, there could be already for them to come on campus. There could be something behind this too, just uh, knowing what could possibly be happening at, at those particular times. All right, but with that, we are up against a break. When we get back, we'll talk some softball and baseball. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com. Call us at 501-428-0877 or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in Northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry, and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336.
We're back on episode 195 of the Hog Talk podcast. Kyle Sutherland, Porter Hayes, and Coach Kevin Bohannon here with you. We'll start the second segment talking some softball. The Ladybacks will face the number 11 seed, Arizona, beginning Friday at Bogle Park, trying to clinch their first College World Series in school history. This is only their second time in a super regional. This is their first time hosting it. I believe, uh, Porter, they went to Oklahoma in 2018. If uh, I think you commented on my Facebook status on that earlier because I actually did not know that. And so they, uh, this is their second one ever. Had to come back against Stanford on Sunday. They score, outscored their first two opponents, Manhattan and South Dakota State, on Friday and Saturday. Or Thursday and Friday, what was it? When, when did they play those two games? Was it Thursday and Friday or Friday and Saturday? Saturday and Sa- Sunday. Well, they played – okay, so they did the, the South Dakota State was on Saturday, and then uh, – yeah, Friday, Saturday, okay. Sunday. Friday, yeah. Saturday, yeah. Sunday. Okay. That's right. Thursday. Baseball did Thursday through Saturday. And so Manhattan, uh, they ended up beating 8 to nothing. That was a run rule. And then ended up beating South Dakota State 4 to nothing. I'm going completely off memory here. I did not write this down. <laughs> 4 to four to nothing and then uh, beat Stanford. 7 to 3. Yeah, 7 to 3. And that one, Porter, that one got off to a really hot start for the Razorbacks. McEwen – walks on a full count, and then Braxton Burnside on the first pitch goes yard and, and sends it for her 25th home run of the season. And it looked like that the Ladybacks were going to have another day where they were just really hot from the plate, cooled off just a little bit. And then on the next uh, the next part of the inning at the bottom of the first, Stanford got three runs. And things just weren't really looking very promising. You know, Storms just didn't seem like she was on. And then after one inning, she's out. And you thought that it might have been because of some of the struggles and, you know, I told you guys that, that when they showed her in the dugout, I'm like, there's only one or two things that are really seem like possible scenarios is she, because she was crying in the dugout. So your automatic assumption is, well, she's very upset with herself for the way that things went. She's hurt or possibly both. Well, Coach Diefel ended up getting interviewed in the third or fourth inning and she said that she just turned her ankle uh, when she came into the dugout. So it was just one of those freak things. And then Mary Half came in and pitched a gym like she has done this, uh, this whole entire regional. She was just dominant throughout this entire thing. 17 innings pitch, 11 hits given up, but only walked two and struck out 15. And so can't say enough about her and just this team overall. The offense really got it going after there. We had some questions of whether they were going to stay in and they were in a little bit of a slump, not consistently, but just compared to what we've seen this year, and they definitely answered the call. Yeah, that was the biggest question. I mean, you knew Mary Half was going to carry this team. You know, she only had to throw five innings against Manhattan, and I think that played a pivotal role in them really closing out the region. I mean, you know you still had the if game at Stanford, but you don't want to chance that. So her only having pitched that five innings against Manhattan, going off against South Dakota State, and then coming in and, and closing it out, you know, after storms. But, I mean, with storms, that's, that's just as big as injury as if it was her back. Because that's where you really plant your foot. You twist that ankle. I mean, that's they're really going to have to do some rehab on that. So, Jana Bloom is really going to step up, you know, if needed against Arizona because they're no joke. You know, we're looking at they they played a common opponent. They're both out of the Pac-12, and they beat uh, Stanford three times. They beat them 9-0, 6-1, 5-3. Nope, they beat them four times. Nine is nothing, 6-1, 5-3, and two to nothing. So, this is a team familiar with Stanford, and they're – they got a loaded pitching staff. They can really hit. And we'll go over that. We're going to have Jen Scarborough on later on the week. We'll really deep dive into that series coming up. But uh, 
I was really proud of the bats. I'll tell you who's come up, and that's Lenny Malkin. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. a huge home run. I mean, she's just come in and spurts, and really when this team's needed her bat, she's given it to them. Hannah McEwen, of course, Braxton Burnside, she's one away from the SEC um, all-time home or the season-season home run record, but you can't say enough against this team because, you know, we go back to the UCA game, and they just kind of went into a little batting slump. They didn't play but one game in 17 days. You, you come into this hoping that they this is the time. This is what they fought for. We made comparisons with the basketball team and how they went one and done in the SEC Women's Tournament and then lost to Wright State. So we were really hoping that they would come out. And, and then you got to throw the weather. That first game, the times kept on getting pushed back and back and back. And what that does mentally of you're getting up for a game, then you got to go play toss. You get it for a game, then it gets moved back. So I'm very proud of them, very proud of the fans. I mean, both baseball and softball. For the weather to be it was the first couple of days, and they showed up, showed up. There was 33,000 at Baum. They said they had, it was like 2,400 at the game the other day against Stanford. So I'm really looking forward to going up there this weekend. If I can get to one of the games and, and really seeing them close out this super regional and in, in, in advance of the women's college world series. And just like the baseball, it's a short little trip down the road for that four and a half hours to Oklahoma city. So that'd be really cool for them to experience. Yeah. Lenny Malkin, the, the hero of the weekend, three for nine, the three runs scored seven RBIs, two home runs. Yeah. She was definitely uh, right up there because you expect, you, you know, who Braxton Burnside is, you know, who Hannah McEwen is who, Difel says that that uh, she's probably the best leadoff hitter in the country. Hannah Gamble, Daniel Gibson, you know the the top of that lineup right there. You definitely know who it is. Kayla Green, the catcher, but Allie Manzo uh, was really one that stepped up too. I think she got a hit in just about every game. Got on base a few, uh, at least a few times a game. So really set the tone for some of those runs that they were able to score. Particularly, I know she was big in, in the Stanford game too, but or at least did some stuff, but overall was a big part of, of those first two games particularly. And that just shows right there, too, that, you know, like we we had the questions of, which I know like in the middle of the season, we were really wondering, hey, you know, once they – if they face a Florida in the SEC tournament, what are they going to do? And that was this was also before they played Alabama, and they might have lost that series, but they were extremely competitive with an Alabama team that, man, I, you know – it's hard. Uh, OU is is definitely the best softball team in the country, but it's hard not to put Alabama maybe right there at two or definitely three with the way especially that they've been pitching. I'm pretty sure they've actually got some shutouts going. But, Porter, you talked about, too, with, with the way that Arizona plays. Their game against Ole Miss Sunday night was, was – uh, Pretty pretty electric. They beat them twelve to six after being down six to nothing going into the fourth inning. And third baseman Molly Martinez was the one. She started the comeback with a two run homer, and then they just put together an eight run uh, fifth inning. That's kind of like what the Cubs did to my Cardinals in the eighth inning. I think it was the other night. <laughs> Kevin, Friday Kevin, night, yeah, yeah. Fr- Friday <laughs> night. Kevin saw that front and center. That was man. That one really escalated. You got two two to one games on Saturday and Sunday, and then you have that just. Uh, where they bust it wide open, so I can definitely understand that. But yeah, Porter, you, you nailed it right on the head. They this is definitely. I mean, everybody's good right now, but this is one where they're definitely going to have. They're, they're going to have to play the way that they did uh, against Stanford in the later rounds. But they're going to have to really that you can't come out there, start off really hot, and then not play very well at all. And then you know, yeah, you can always get hot again, but. It, you don't want to have to do that. And so that's the big question is, can these bats stay really hot? And then going back to the pitching, 
Jenna Bloom has has really showed up at times this season when you really need her. But like you said, they're basically desperate for her right now because you just don't really know what Storms is going to be able to give you. We know what kind of pitcher she is whenever she's at her best, but I, I don't know. I kind of feel like that some you know she's either had a lingering injury or she just whatever the case is. I, I don't want to make speculations because I don't know, but I feel like that there is something maybe in her head right now because she just hasn't been the same pitcher. And again. Maybe it's something in the head. Maybe it's something with injuries. Maybe it's something completely unrelated. I don't know. But just right now, it's not that you you don't think that you can't rely on her because you can, but it's just really about, you know, will she be able to go because you don't know what exactly is going on? What can Jenna Bloom do? Because it can't be all on Mary Half, and they know that. Yeah, and and I think Courtney Doffel's got a short leash on on Storms because we're in the postseason, and it's nothing against what she's done pitching-wise. I think it's, you know, with her health. You know, she goes in and, you know, sprains her ankle or does something to her back, you know, that competitor. How many times have you wanted to go back on the field when you were hurt? But when it comes down to it, she's got to think of the best of the team because, you know, all know in softball, baseball, one swing in the back can really change the whole dynamic of a game. And that's where they've really gotten to the point where Mary Half's really shut these teams down. And also when you're dealing with softball, you got the – where you can use your pitcher multiple times in this series. So – the good thing is about this, you, you can use her and Jenna, get you through this super regional because it's a three-game series, and then you get to rest until you get to Oklahoma City. So, But, I mean, you're talking about how they're pitching to the team. I mean, they've been trying to walk, you know, Burnside a lot, and then you got McEwen and then Malkin's right behind them. Malkin's got 18 home runs. So, I think they're really having to respect that whole lineup, and I think that could really get – Arizona in trouble. If they try to sit there and just put, you know, Burnside on the board, McEwen's just as um, capable of a hit a home run. Kayla Green can hit them out. Manzo can get you hits. I mean, it's just, it, it's crazy how deep this, when they're hitting and they're on sil- all cylinders, it's crazy what this lineup can do top to bottom. Yeah, it's very similar to baseball. I mean, it really, like, I, yeah, I'm, not, I'm sitting there thinking, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm, they, not, they I'm not quite sure that yeah. – I don't know that we – you know, and this is obviously nothing against softball. I don't know that national – on a national level-wise that we have on the softball team consistently five or six people like we have for – because it's like with baseball. I mean, you literally have like five guys that – I mean, and you can really go in there to depend on. And, and, again, I'm not saying softball doesn't have this, but I just think that our baseball team just talent-wise from top to bottom is on another level – then what, I mean, Kevin, would you say that maybe top to bottom, this is probably the most talented roster that DVH has ever had? Oh, definitely. Yeah. You're going to have more guys drafted in the top five rounds off this team yeah. than any other team he's yeah. ever had. And, and that's the thing, too, is is you look at it, there really is a lot of similarities with softball because not and then outside of the SEC regular season championship. But, um, I mean, yeah, just there is so many that you can rely on. And, and, that, and a lot of that, too, is – development from what the and I don't want to go into I know we've praised the coaches enough all the spring coaches in particular what they've done so I don't want to go into this you know love fest of what they've been able to do and all but because it is phenomenal but really what it boils down to was just the way that they've been able to develop just like Dave Van Dave Van Horn you know all these years from what he has done to build he had to work to that point now Norm DeBryan obviously started off what he ended up taking to another level but coach Dyfel has started from scratch and she's going to use this year 
to build and at some point she has so long that she stays at Arkansas she'll eventually get to that point I don't know if she's going to have a you know I'm not saying she's going to have a top five or top ten year program every year and you're out but it's going to be a competitive one and it's going to be probably I would say we stay within the top half of the SEC every single year and so you just think about you know again it we, we think of Burnside just because from what she's been able to do on a consistent basis this year, 25 home runs, when I think she had 20 in her career coming to Arkansas. And then again, the McEwens, the, the Gamels, the Gibsons, all those now Manzo, and it's just you go down the line there, and there's just so many that you can rely on. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just super proud of the team. I mean, they, they've heard what everybody's been saying, and just to go through the – emotional car wash that Daffos went through and she's the most humble person I've stated it on another interview it's like she stays composed the only time I've seen her get flustered all year was the Missouri series that was the only time and we can admit that's the only time we've really seen this team get pushed around any other time she's sitting there poised controlled she has that trust in her team kind of like coach neighbors is with when he's talked to us about how he is with his senior laden team he don't want to call that timeout because he wants to show that team that he trusts them to get them out of that hole. And this is the same way with the softball team. They've been down so many games, and then one swing of a bat, you're up one. You get another home run, now it's a 7-3 game, and it's wide open. It's a whole different ball game, and you're sitting there, why did I sit there in the second, third inning, get all up tight, now we're up 7-3. So mad props to you know Courtney Duff on how she's really built trust in this team. But major kudos to the kids that have been there since they were 1-23 and, and building this program up because most people ain't even realized, but we just found out today that we had some postseason awards and both the softball team and baseball time team sw- swept the coach and the pitcher of the year. That's phenomenal. I, mean, I don't know, that's I don't know how that's happened. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. And, and for teams, you know, Arkansas baseball is cemented itself as one of the top programs in the nation and the best program, them and Vandy, in the SEC. But for a program like Arkansas to work its way up to where they're at now, and they're going to keep getting these recruits in, it's awesome to see because guess what? We don't have to worry about a sport where you got these one-and-dones and threes. These girls will play till their senior year because – 80% of them, they're not going to go play softball next, you know, at the next level. They're going to go on to the their professional career, go into coaching, training. So you're going to hold on to these players longer than other sports. Yeah. And they get all that chance to help their hard work pay off and make it to the uh, College World Series starting on Friday. The first game is going to be at 7 p.m. Now, these are Eastern. Actually, I'll just give – I'll go ahead and give the Central Times. 6 p.m. on ESPNU, Saturday, May 29th. You want to be at 4 o'clock on ESPN2. And then Sunday, if necessary, hopefully we won't have to play that game because it's going to start at 8 o'clock on ESPN2 uh, that night. So, so switch over to baseball. The Diamond Hogs completed their 10th sweep. I guess it was their 13th overall of the 13th or 14th overall of the season, but their 10th SEC sweep. The only team, second uh, team to do that, I guess, other than 2013 Vanderbilt to sweep every single – or to uh, win every single one of their series. I think I was saying sweeping the whole time, but one of uh, yeah. two teams to win – all of their series throughout the entire year. And so 
Uh, they did that in a Thursday to Saturday series at Baum Walker, winning the SEC regular season championship on Saturday night since Tennessee had lost 3-2 to two to South Carolina earlier that day. Charlie Welch came in, pinch hit, and walked it off and uh, won the game and, and the SEC regular season championship. It was just an extremely poetic fashion. It was really great to see a uh, full crowd there this weekend. I think there was around 32,000, 33,000 in total. And by the way, also, too, forgot to give a shout-out to the fans for the Sunday attendance at Bogle Park. I think it was around 21, 2200 that they ended up uh, counting. And so fourth highest all time in the history of that park. So you guys showed up and showed out. And uh, I know that we're going to do that again for uh, – for the Super Regionals this weekend and then the Regionals that we got coming up next weekend. Still a lot of chances to uh, have some good things happen in Fayetteville. But, Kevin, just unbelievable performance, unbelievable year. How many Sundays in particular did we come on here to record for a Monday show and we're like, well, we got past this one. Here's what we're concerned for (laughs) next week. I mean, it seemed like every single week that we were at that point and they – won it and not just this past weekend did they sweep did they uh I keep saying sweep not just did they win the series they swept it just their second one even though they won 10 series they only had two sweeps Mississippi State who is one of the hottest teams in the country right now and then Florida they shut down the nation's uh I don't think he's the number one in home runs anymore but at the time going into the series Judd Fabian just a phenomenal player but did not have a very good weekend and uh, you, you won all three games, and you closed out the regular season on a, as high of a note as you could possibly get as we head into the SEC championship or in the SEC tournament. Yeah, Judd Fabian came in with 20 home runs on the year, and he had one hit on weekend. That's it. And I, you, you can look and hear what Kyle Peterson, Mr. Omaha himself, had to say about the Razorbacks and know that this team is for real. I told you the other night, Kyle and Porter, I believe this team can win a national title. I had that feeling in 2018. There was that turning point. And I told you all last weekend where they showed a little bit of resiliency and came back and said they're going to point to that. They came out absolutely on fire. Tommy Mace was good for a little bit the other night on Friday or Thursday. Aiden Wallace, two home runs. Leads the teams in hits. He's hitting 308 with, and has 61 hits on the year. What a freshman performance. He made all the fresh all freshman team. We had seven players recognized today. And, of course, Kevin Cops was pitcher of the year. He had a phenomenal performance on Thursday night, and he came out and shut it down Friday, or Friday night when we walked it off to win. Charlie Welch, you can't say enough about him. He, he, the chances that he's gotten this year, he's taking advantage of them. He's, he started seven games as a DH. He's got to appear in 19 games. And 38 at bat, 16 hits. Eight of those hits have been for extra bases, five home runs. Can't say enough of good things about him. Caden Monk was his normal first outing great self. Patrick Wicklander was college baseball newspaper player, uh, national player of the week. He had a career high in 11 strikeouts and six innings. We struck the Florida Gators out 33 times through the first two games. They had no clue what was going on up there. So for a team like that, that was a unanimous number one team in the nation. And we talked with Nick De La Torre last week about, you know, what could we expect from this team? And they were figuring things out. They had won six their last seven games. So it's not like these were just some run-of-the-mill scrubs. They had a chance to win the SEC if they did well this past weekend against Arkansas. So, you know, tip of the hat, they came, Arkansas came out on fire, took care of business. And it's it end on a good note. 
SEC tournament doesn't mean a thing. Kendall Rogers said Arkansas could sit home, watch the tournament on SEC network, and would still be the number one overall seed come Selection Sunday. And that's the truth. The body of work speaks for itself. They have the best record in the nation at 42-10. and 10. I know Tennessee has 42 wins, but they have 14 losses. Two of those are to the Razorbacks. And 26-5 and five at home. So I don't see anybody coming in here beating us, you know, a couple of times over the next couple of weekends. I expect to see this team in Omaha as the number one seed in three weeks. I, I don't see uh, any team in the nation beating this team two times to win a series. I, they've just proven too much. And to go through the SEC, and this is not like the football where you play most of the West Conference and then a couple of East. You've played everybody. Other than Vanderbilt, you have played everybody that's come your way, the top-notch teams in the SEC, and you've won 10 series. And I know we want to be happy that the postseason awards, but you can't tell me that Kevin Copps, the best player on the best team in the, na- in the nation, did not deserve to get player of the year. I would trade giving it to Rocker, pitcher of the year or lighter pitcher of the year, to give Kevin Copps the player of the year because he deserves it. He has shut everybody down. He shut South Carolina down, Florida down, Tennessee down. Everybody that's come his way, he has shut them down and wins. What, 10-0? and 0? Is he 10-0 and 0 or 11-0? He's 10-0, yeah. So he's 10-0. and 0. And completely just got some of the best hitters in the SEC staring him down to the dugout like, I can't see the ball. We know the slider's coming, the cutter's coming, but we cannot see it, and he shuts them down. He's just been that dominant of a person. That's where I, That's how I feel on it. I just think he's the best player in the SEC, and he should have got that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and no, I just, can see that, that's ahead, that point. Yeah, I see the point. Um, Tanner Allen, who was the player of the year in the SEC, uh, led the league in hitting runs, had a great year for Mississippi State, who is – arguably the third best team in the conference. They finished 20 and 10. Um, they had a three seed for the SEC tournament. They're going to be a top eight national seed right there at six or seven. But yeah, you're split. I, I think you may be splitting hairs, but I think the best is yet to come for cops in terms of awards. He's going to be up for the Dick Hauser. He was a semifinalist and he'll be a finalist for the golden spikes award because nobody has been able to do what he's done. That's where I agree with you on that point Porter. So I think they had to split it up a little bit. They gave Lider the newcomer of the year. They wanted to spread the love as they did. Thankfully, they didn't give co-pitcher or co-player of the year. That They recognize these kids for their talents. So it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward with the national awards and how they break those out. Yeah, that's what I was going to make the point of. Porter, I know you've always been pretty big on how important a certain player is to their team. And I don't think that there's any doubt Kevin Copps is the most important player on the best team, hands down, in the entire country. No disrespect to Landon Sims or Will Bedner or any of these other – Kumar Rocker, Jack Leiter. You can go all across the entire – this this conference is just loaded, not just with overall great baseball players, but pitchers in general. Landon Sims has better numbers than Copps, but he doesn't have near the innings. of what, And what he has done is, is nothing short of phenomenal either. But – I'll tell you, game three against Tennessee, we don't win that without cops. I'm not even so sure that you win game two. Now, 
I understand Charlie Welsh did his thing. I'm not even positive that you win game two against Florida. Obviously, all this is a sub for debate. You could go throughout a few games that he came in and just absolutely shut people down to make sure that you got to, – to make sure that your offense basically uh, was able to – that you were able to hold up what they were able to do. And so just from what he's – he has not come in – and even really come close to giving up losing a game for you. I think he's only given up like five or six runs on the year. So five, I com- yeah. yeah, I completely agree. I I know that it's it's extreme. Like people are going to say that it's it's Homer for us to prop him up like that. But no, I mean that it's we're looking at facts. We're looking at stats. We're looking at the overall picture, and that's that's what it is. And you look at Caden Wallace, Kevin. I was looking at this earlier. You know, I know I texted you the other day. You know, how does it feel to know that you've coached the SEC freshman of the year? And even though in our hearts he might be, I knew that, you know, there was going to be some other players that were going to be up at, uh, up for the award uh, over him, uh, you know, a couple of guys in particular. But what he has been able to do, 308 batting average, 42 runs, 12 home runs. Yes, those are definitely capable of SEC Freshman of the Year numbers, but that just, again, shows how great that this league is because there were guys that are outperforming him. And not to take away from his performance, but my point is, is you know, we can definitely understand and uh, like where the voters are coming from because even though he did have a great year and some Arkansas fans should say that he, he should be the SEC freshman of the year, we understand that that doesn't take away from his production. And, I mean, I, I think that the Razorbacks were certainly very well. I'll go through them here. I think that they were very well represented. You've got more Goodhart and Cops on the all-SEC first team, and then on the second team, Franklin and Patrick Wicklander. Caden Wallace on the all-freshman team. Peyton Paulette and Robert Moore on the all-SEC newcomer team. All defensive, you've got more Franklin Cops. And then Cops, of course, got SEC Pitcher of the Year. And then uh, Dave Van Horn got SEC Coach of the Year. And so we're definitely very well represented. And that was what I'd said to you guys. I think that you could probably, other than uh, than left field and third base, where they typically, so, you know, they, they rotate with, at third with, with Nesbitt and Smith. And then at left field, typically, well, you've got to throw Ethan Bates in there too. But Gregory and, and Braden Webb, which we don't really know, what Webb's – you don't think – got to think that Webb's probably not going to be out for the rest of the year. I bet he's suspended, yeah. I think he's for probably – For the tournament, yeah. I, yeah. I was about to say, I think he's gone for the SEC tournament. You run a couple of triangles, you know, Dave Dave gets him uh, – Dave gets him a little tired and realize, okay, you know, you did something stupid. But that's the thing, guys. We got to realize he wasn't driving. He's a, he's of age. He did. He made a mistake. He flipped a table. It's not like yeah. then. It's not the end of the world. You know, we all probably could have caught caught doing something. I'm not saying that it's okay, but I'm also saying it's not the end of the world. So I don't think he's going to be out for the rest of the year. But. But you could pretty much look at even Jalen Battles. I know that there was some times that he frustrated you, but that guy he'll 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 do what you need him to do uh, defensively. Uh, whether it be getting a uh, sacrifice fly, he's a guy that can do what you need him to do. And so, just about every position on this team was worthy of some kind of of postseason recognition. Well, I got one more little stat about cops. And you know, when it comes to pitchers, they always get that rap of well, you're not an everyday player. Not like a <laughs> he, he's 10-0 with eight saves. Guys, yeah. he's, he, he is responsible for 43% of their wins. And he's, number two on the, and he's number two on the team in innings pitched behind yeah. Wicklander. Wicklander has uh, one and two-thirds inning more than him. But I, well, I wanted to bring up something. It's like game two, you know, we've always, most of the season, you went in game one, you won game one. You're coming in there trying to bring other guys in, maybe get a good game two to get a sweep 
for him to bring out cops in that game too to really be like reward. I think it was a reward of the team. Like we're going to end this tonight, and then we're going to come in Saturday and sweep this thing. I think it was yep. a reward. I think Dave Van Horn was rewarding his team like, hey, let's go get this thing out right. I mean, they are going back. They could have easily waited on Sunday. Cops handled his business, got the outright, and then went ahead and looked forward to the SEC tournament. But I think he wanted to reward them that night and let them know, we're going to sweep this thing and make daggum sure we're going to get that SEC outright. No co's. No, just Western Division champion. We're going to win the whole daggum thing. Yeah, I love the move to Cobbs. That's what I told you guys, and I, and I think that most people knew this. But it's like, guys, he's this guy is going to win this thing tonight. Like he wants us to just go ahead and close this thing out because he knew. Also, like you said, we knew that we were going to get the SEC championship, and that kind of goes in to if we won the game. That kind of goes into my next point. Is there's been a lot of talk this week about, and I know I brought it up too to you guys, but whether Dave Van Horn wants this SEC championship or not. And here's the way that I kind of feel like. True competitors like him, great coaches are not going to take anything lightly. They're not going to ever say, and I don't think that they're ever going to truly think, we don't care about this, but they are But going to think, hey, we're going to be smart about this. So I don't think you see cops, regardless of what happens. And he kind of hinted at that, that you probably won't see. I think it was on Saturday night, after Saturday night's game, kind of hinted that you probably won't see him for a little while. So I don't think we see him at all in Hoover. Hoover. It doesn't really make sense I think you may see him Friday. I think you may see him Friday. So maybe like – because you – But do you think – but I mean, but Kevin, do you think he goes three in? I mean, do you think that it's even – No, Lord, no, no. I think you he he would use – one of those days as his bullpen day. Okay. So if he comes in for 20, 20 pitches, yeah, that's just, what he's going to do. Just, yeah. like, just like he's done in midweek games to yeah. get guys some work, that's what it's going to be. Yeah. It's not going to be, hey, we, we need to win this. Yeah. I know, Even though I know if we win our first game, Vanderbilt wins our, their first game, we're going to play them in the second game. Yeah, And, and people are going to lose their ever-loving mind saying, oh, this is the one we've been waiting for. And you're going to see a freshman and a sophomore throwing against each other. Well, how so, many times are you going to hear? Yeah. Well, y'all won the outright SEC title, but you can't win the postseason. How many times will we see that on Facebook or Twitter? Yeah, oh, but it, it's not the same. Yeah, it's and it's not the same because SEC tournament doesn't mean anything in baseball. Well, I take that back. Those fringe teams that are fighting to get in the field of 64, it means something to them. If you're on the fringe of hosting, it means something to them. For Arkansas right now, like I said a while ago. They could stay home and watch it and go two and Q and they would they would still get the number one overall seed. So it doesn't mean as much. I know that I do got a quick question. Ironic. How, how much how much in this SEC tournament do you want to keep your rhythm? How much how important is that? You to have to, yeah. Your rhythm. So even if you're not trying to quote win the game, how important is it to keep your rotation the same? and then get cops in there, sprinkle him in there to really save his arm because we know how important Super Regionals, Regionals, and World Series is. Yeah, Wicklander is not going to throw before Friday, and he's not going to throw after Friday. I can tell you that right now because they, they have to have him set up for the first game of that regional. So if, if it's Thursday, that would give him enough rest. So I think he'll be okay with that. So you think it's do you think Lockhart goes Wednesday, probably Wiki on Thursday, and if we win yep. – if we win, maybe because well, you know we still don't. As this is recording, we still don't have an update on Peyton Paulette. So you got to, but you know he's out. Uh, I mean, you got to basically all but yeah, assume. Yeah, uh, Boulder Wiggins. Yeah, yeah, that's Bolden. what I would think. Yeah, okay. 
So yeah, that's the that all starts, and then we play. So we will play the for the first time on Wednesday. We get the winner of the eight seed Georgia and, and the nine seed LSU of their game, and so we'll get to uh, play a team that we've already played, and uh, of course, and just like other, every other SEC team that we have uh, beaten the series. So. You know, one that I personally am not like, yes, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I always like watching uh, conference space because my favorite time to ever watch the SEC uh, tournament was the Florida games uh, in two. Well, I guess it was. Well, what, which one the was Warnus the Warnus home run? Well, was it was it 2000? That was 15 that the Warnus home run happened. Yeah. And then 2017 was when we rocked. Uh, Brady Singer, and uh, that was yeah. what I was telling you guys this morning. Whenever I texted seventeen Joel. and eighteen, yeah. yeah, yeah. So seventeen, we 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 uh, beat them like sixteen to nothing. Ended up putting like eight or nine runs on Singer, and then we also beat them up pretty bad. And in, in the uh, in that final before we made it to the co- the College World Series finals in eighteen, but I was watching the. 2017 3 a.m. game in the regional with Missouri State and I was like I said I was telling you guys this but I'll tell the audience you know cops pitched that game he started that game yeah and it is just so amazing how much difference and you would expect that from how he's playing now but it is incredibly different how not just his pitching but his stance and just everything is so different transformation yes so but yeah a lot of uh, I'm I'm gonna be uh, in the at the beach during the regional, so I will definitely be representing Arkansas well. Have my Saturdays for the boys' flag plus my Arkansas flag. If if I'm actually allowed to put that up, we'll see how long that lasts. I'm sure uh, I'm sure that somebody's going to step in and put put a stop to that. At least for the Saturdays for the boys one, because uh, yeah. you know I she she thinks I should grow out of my college boy humor, but I'm still uh, in it. So, Sometimes you need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but. Well, other than that, guys, I think that's uh, going to do it for another one. But I uh, got some uh, good stuff for you on Friday. Uh, just talk some more basketball, or some more basketball, some more baseball, some more softball. And, uh, you know, like I said, um, we're not really sure. I mentioned this on Friday's show. Shows kind of might fluctuate a day or so here or there based on I know Cabo's going to be really busy this summer with the prospects, and then and then I'll be traveling. I know uh, you know Porter's got stuff too, so kind of just depending on how things go over the next couple of weeks, we might be having some Tuesday shows. It'll just kind of vary on on how the schedule plays out. But guys, almost through uh, an entire college football or. What am I doing? Talking about football and basketball, college sports season. Okay. I'm about to say I don't have all. I don't have basketball and football. It's been a long mind. season. It's yeah. been a long season. season. Long season. Long year. Spring practice whatever. is over, Tom. I know. I know. I'm telling you, man. I'm already. I'm already like seeing bedtime. Here we are recording at night. I'm already seeing bedtime in my in my old age. Here I am saying that to guys that are that have me a little bit. But you know, Easy. I know. I know. <laughs> But, guys, we thank you, as always, for tuning in. If you haven't, again, make sure to subscribe, rate, review. Other than that, for Porter Hayes, Coach Kevin Bohannon, my name is Kyle Sutherland. We will see you on Friday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.